Good evening and welcome to the Dr. Zeus Film Podcast. January comedies. Last night's Nebraska was great. If you've never seen Nebraska, Bruce Stern, June Squid, Bob Odenkirk, you know, um, uh, Will Forte. I mean, come on, you know, it's perfect. Um, there's so many comedies to talk about. So, so many comedy hybrids, you know, um, in terms of films, you know, and I can jump from Nebraska and we can go to the 30s and 40s, you know. Um, but briefly, I wanted to just talk about, you know, the, the comedy genre, you know, and you have vaudevillians, you know, Bob... I mean, George Burns was a vaudevillian. I, I don't think people recognize that. Buster Keaton was a vaudevillian. Charlie Chaplin was a vaudevillian. You know, when I talk about vaudevillians, people are like, what's that? And I say, well, you know, back in the day, before movies, before television, you went on the stage to do your, your craft. You know, that's, what Char- that's how Charlie Chaplin got started. Uh, you know, he was a vaudevillian just as Buster Keaton, you know, Buster Keaton's real name was not Buster, he got that being, his. he came from a family of vaudevillians, and his father would throw him around and catch him, because it was a stage act, and someone said, that's a real Buster, and that's how he got the name Buster Keaton, you know, um, you know, uh, and Charlie Chaplin, and all of them, I mean, you know, it was about the stage back then, and then movies happened and, you know, comedies. People, people in terms of the, Nick, they were called Nickelodeons. And you would crank the wheel in the movie. That's how you watch the movie. And, you know, and then you have the, the uh, I think Charlie Chaplin's first movie was in 1914. You know, and what's funny about that is his, his own brother said to him, you are the most famous person in the world and nobody look, knows what you look like out of the costume, which is a form of amenity am- for Charlie Chaplin. Throughout the years, people started, rec- when he stopped dyeing his hair, people started to recognize, oh, that's Charlie Chaplin, just without the mustache, because he had that mustache and he had the tramp look. And um, where Buster Keaton, everyone everyone knew what Buster Keaton looked like. Buster Keaton just had that face, you know, and that hat. And then when he would start to talk in films, people were like, oh, he not only looks how he talks, he sounds how he, or he talks how he looks, or he sounds how he looks, you know. And so with comedies, you know, it's all about the origins. And so we're not really going to talk about a film tonight. We're just talking about the origins of comedy. You know, I mean, that old mantra, dying is easy, comedy is hard. The, you know, the drama and the, the laugh now, cry later mantra of comedy. And the, you know, uh, the musicians who would follow the kings around and, you know, they'd have a little wine and drink and laugh and they would, they would basically you know, mythologize, you know, make you into mythology through a song, you know, if you've, if you've ever seen The Witcher, that one guy that follows Gerald, Gerald around, you know, is, is making him into a mythology through song and through comedy, 
you know, and, and Shakespeare, Shakespeare was all about comedy, you know, not just drama, because in that drama is the comedy, you know, you have really great dramas where there's always comedy, um, the one person who could really mix it the best was Robin Williams, you look at a movie like The Fisher King, where it's sad, but then there's, a, I mean, he's naked, that's comedy, or you look at, um, Dead Poet Society, and it's it's very dramatic, but then it's comedy, you know, where he's telling them to throw out the books or asking the the young man who is talking about Walt Whitman and calls him a, a snaggy snaggy tooth madman, and that's his that's his you know opinion of Walt Whitman and how Robin Williams' character Mr. Keaton festers that imagination, you know. And so within the drama, you can you can mix it, you know what I mean? So it is uh oh uh oh uh oh yeah that's that's comedy, that's comedy for you. So we'll be back after these messages to close out Vaudevillians. So we're back on the Dr. Zeus Film Podcast, and I found it. The vaudevillian that I remember seeing on 60 Minutes as a little kid who fascinated me. Well, I think he fascinated all of us. Continued to smoke those cigars until he was 100 years old. No, I can't carry a pen. Are you sure? Positive. But she can carry a gun good as any mother's son. That's one note. Or she can carry a gun good as any she can carry a gun good as any mother son. she can go ahead. Or she can carry a gun good as any mother son. So listen, can I go out to Vegas with you? Sure, yeah, we'll play together. You got room for me in your act? And that's Ed like Bradley and George Burns. You know George Burns. Is today his birthday? Let me see. Because I don't know if you remember. I mean, made it to 100, but I think after he had that fall, it wasn't the same again. That's what Carol Channing said. Uh, let's see. Okay, it just passed. Uh, George Burns, January 20th, 1896 to March 9th, 1996. You know, him and Gracie Allen, you know, say goodnight, Gracie. That's where that comes from. Um, years active from 1902 to 1996 that's a career right there or as he would say with his accent that's a career right there Um, and he was a vaudevillian you know in fact the Sunshine Boys basically for which he won the Oscar is about two vaudevillians him and Walter Matthau you know even though Walter Matthau was a lot younger than George Burns. You know, when George Burns won that Oscar, he was, was he 80? I think so. He he won an Oscar for Best Supporting Actor. You know. Um, Oh, this is interesting. I remember hearing about this. Okay. 
doesn't talk about it. He had an incident. Okay, here it is. Burns suffered a head injury after falling in his bathtub in July of 1994 and underwent surgery to remove fluid in his skull. Burns never fully recovered and his performing career came to an end. In February 1995, Burns, in what would be his final television appearance, was presented with the first SAG Lifetime Achievement Award. Yeah. That's what happens. You know, that's what happens with people in their 90s, I should know. You know, they have those falls. Yeah, they can't. They can't be left alone. But back to the vaudevillian aspect of... You know, George Burns and Gracie Allen... Gracie, I'm thinking, was George Burns the serious one? Gracie was the 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 comedian, maybe. But you know, and they're all in it together. I mean, you think of okay, Charlie Chaplin, George Burns, Buster Keaton, um, Mae West. May West was a vaudevillian. A lot of people don't realize that about Mae West. Remember in the one of the shows that I did about Mae West, you know, she got in big trouble. She did a Broadway play called Sex. And had 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 a lot of fun with it. You know, Mae West is probably one of the most misunderstood actors of all time. Because she not only created a character, she in a way became a character. A lot of people have said they don't know when the real Mae West left the building. It was this character, you know. But she, hey, she was smart. She was very smart. She wrote her own stuff. You know, um, the double entendres. People still to this day have problems not only deciphering double entendres, but they... I, I, I know someone who doesn't like the song Respect because they told me they realized what it was about and I corrected them, which I didn't want to do. And I said, look, you do know she didn't write Respect. Otis Redding wrote it. And it has double entendres because it was about sex. And Aretha Franklin arranged it differently. Okay? And I said, you know, you... you and yeah, they they were trying to make Aretha Franklin to be out something that she wasn't. I said, you know, she was a church girl. Her father was a preacher. So come on, let's let's get real. You know, um, here's here's a really fascinating interview with Mae West with Dick Cavett. Before I shoot the scene. So that's what they did. 
And then if they wanted something out, would you talk to them about it or argue well, with Well, I'd them? take it out, put something else in. Yeah. Sometimes I put extra things in that I knew they were going to take out just to make them happy, you know. Um, your, one of your co-stars was a man you sort of discovered by looking out a window. Oh, uh, <clears throat> I was in the office at Paramount, and uh, they gave me a large book with a lot of photographs of different le leading men. And I was sitting at a table or a desk right near the window in the door. And uh, after I got a few, I kind of glanced out the window, and I see this good-looking guy walk across the street. So I said, uh, it's about the best looking thing in Hollywood. Who is he? So they looked and they said, oh, that's uh, Cary Grant. Is that yeah, interesting? She discovered <laughs> Cary Grant. So you all wouldn't have North by Northwestern. You wouldn't have Charade. You wouldn't have Houseboat. You wouldn't have an affair to remember if it wasn't for... May West, you know, the the beauty of May West is that she recognized talent, you know, and I've said this before. She loved those muscle guys. She loved them. I don't know if she ever met Arnold Schwarzenegger or Lou, Lou Ferrigno. But when it came to those muscle guys in Vegas, May West loved them. And that's the vaudevillian in her, the performer. That at the end of the day, these movies that I talk about and these TV shows, it's not just, a, it's about a performance, okay? Oh, when I talked about Auntie Mame, you know what's interesting about Auntie Mame? And someone actually ripped her for it, ripped the film for this, how it played like episodic. Because after each scene would end, the light, the, the, the chapter, the lights would darken like a Broadway play. I enjoyed it. I thought it was great. Some people don't like that, and that's fine. Fuck them. And I say, fuck them. And, um, but, you know, these performers started out on stage. Before it was the screen, before it was television, it was about the stage. If you couldn't do it on stage, you had to get the fuck off. And if you remember the Apollo Theater, if you couldn't sing at the Apollo Theater in Harlem, they would literally boo you off and so these vaudevillians these vaudevillians really had to have some cojones men women you name it even the early female impersonators really really had to I mean that you think of your audience okay if you can't tame your audience you don't have a shot and Mae West was able to do that and Charlie Chaplin was able to do that and George Burns and Buster Keaton you know they were able to just the, they have the people in the palm of their hands you know Helen Hayes who was a great you know theater actress you know um, that, that's what it's all about some 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 of the actors today can't do theater you look at someone like Viola Davis who started out in theater that's why she's such a great actress I love when people are like, well, where has she been? And I'm like, I've known about her for years. She was on Broadway. A lot of people know that about Viola Davis or Audra McDonald, you know, who played Billie Holiday so brilliantly on stage, even sounded like her. She should have played her in the movie. 
you know. But these vaudevillians, these stage performers, that's where comedy comes from. And if you were to do a whole documentary on it, it would be hilarious. You know, right down to Moms Mabley. You know, Whoopi Goldberg did a really great documentary on Moms Mabley. Um, what, what an icon in terms of her humor. She would just take her teeth out. She didn't care. She didn't care. That's what a comedian does, you know, self-deprecating. And I will leave you with this. We go from the vaudevillians to the gentlemen that whenever I say, people say you have too much stuff, stuff. I think of, of course, George Carlin. I'm looking for a place to just put my stuff. And then you got more shit. And then you got to put this shit and that shit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we've got our phones. It's got a lot of stuff on it. A lot of freaky stuff. A lot of fun stuff. A lot of music stuff. A lot of concert stuff. So when people want to see this photo, it's like, okay, look, give me some time alone so I can, oh, let me weed through that. Because on my phone, it's, it's a jungle out there. I, I thank God I, I have a password on it. It's like, no, I don't think so. No. And, you know, that's it. George Carlin learned from those vaudevillians. That stage, that dais, you got you got to work for it. You got to work for it. You can't work for it then get the fuck off the stage. But you all know the seven words you can't say on television. Just think of the stage. Lenny Bruce, Lenny Bruce really provoked that. Without Lenny Bruce, you wouldn't have George Carlin. You wouldn't have um, Richard Pryor. You know, Richard Pryor, people have an issue with Richard Pryor. I don't have an issue with him. Richard Pryor, Richard Pryor was probably one of the most honest comedians ever. Him and George Carlin. But George Carlin wasn't totally autobiographical. Richard Pryor would take it there. And, and he learned from those vaudevillians and would apply that. You know what I mean? So, yeah. That's what it's all about is the stage. If you can't make it on the stage, Without the stage, you wouldn't have these wonderful pratfalls that Charlie Chaplin does or the facial expressions that he learned. He knew what his audience wanted. So did George Burns. You know, that cigar was an extension of his persona. He didn't just smoke it because he liked it. That's part of his persona. That's like Betty Davis with the cigarette. Even after she had cancer, she smoked a different kind of cigarette. Barbara Walters said that to her. She says, she says, you still smoke. And Betty Davis, oh, yes, I did. I didn't, but I smoke a different kind of cigarette. I did concede that. Yes, most definitely. What's funny about Betty Davis is, is that she did, I think, a few comedies before she died. <laughs> Here is probably one of the most serious actresses of all time. She has a song about her. She's got Betty Davis eyes. Joan Crawford didn't get one, but you know, hey. Um, you know, and, and that's the other thing. We, you know, vaudevillians. Kabuki performances. I mean, look at that mo movie, Mommy Dearest. I had to parody that. That is a kabuki performance. It's hilarious. 
And, you know, yes, it's about a serious subject. That Tell All by Christina Crawford, which a lot of people resented. Whether it's true or not. And then you have people coming forward like Angela Lansbury, who are saying it was true. It happened. I believe them. You know, Joan Crawford, and it was crazy. But I, sadly, I think maybe she was a little mentally ill, you know? She was an actress. She was not in her 30s anymore. She was in her 40s. She had to fight tooth and nail to get to get Mildred Pierce. If you've ever seen Mildred Pierce, that is truly a dramatic performance. It's not a comedic performance. It's Mildred Pierce. You know, um, I don't think Joan Crawford ever did a comedy. Even when she was in a comedy like The Women... She was still the bitch. She was still the serious. In fact, she is in the women because she says to them, by the way, there's a name for you ladies in high society, but it's reserved for those outside a kennel, which meant you're, you're nothing you, outside of this. You're just, a, you know, whatever. Oh my goodness. Yeah. We just veered off topic. Vaudevillians. The one person that I could tell you was a vaudevillian and started out in Yiddish theater. We watch her to this day on reruns of the Golden Girls. And that's Estelle Getty, the late Estelle Getty. The, you know, here she is playing this Italian grandma, you know, Sophia Petrillo. And in reality, she was Estelle Getty. She, w- she started out in Yiddish theater in the Catskills. That's where a lot of Yiddish comedians start, is in the Catskills, as vaudevillians. So it goes all the way back. Even even that beloved character that she played, Sophia Petrillo, she pulled from vaudeville, okay? So it starts from the stage, ends on the page, and then, you know, ripple effect in film and television. And that's Dr. Zeus Film Podcast. Unpleasant Dreams.